Live from the base camp of Silicon Slopes, this is Tech Tales. And now, your moderately talented but extremely attractive hosts, Cash and Jesse. Cash, we're off! Yeah! We're, we're up and running! Nice. Gosh! Podcast numero uno. One of what could be two, <laughs> or could be thousands. <laughs> Legendary. <laughs> we have no idea where it's going to go. We're setting sail on the sea of the podcast world. I have absolutely idea. No idea how it's going to run. But you know what we are doing? We're humanizing the brand. That's and that's right. what's really important. That's what's important. <laughs> so, um, so, welcome to Tech Tales. We, uh, basically, what our show is about is we like to take some you know, various things that are happening in the tech space. And what we are uh, really trying to do is just kind of educate people on some of the various things that we've seen over our careers. Uh, mine being largely in sales, and then Cash has been a CTO of several different companies and is the CEO of ZipTech. And what we do is we just kind of like through the career, and Cash, how long have you been doing this thing? About 20 years now. 20 years? Wow. Yes. Fantastic. Old. Plenty of stories. Old. <laughs> Plays the guitar. <laughs> We're bringing the guitar to the Next podcast. Week. Don't you worry, sports fans. It's coming. <laughs> um, but... Uh, yeah, so over the course of that, we've just kind of, we've seen a lot of things that have been happening and also what's going on in like current trends. Um, and really just in our world, you get to see everything from the craziest ideas to some of the ugliest scams to some of the really cool new things. And then also, you know, straight up watching some people get really rich off some really great ideas. Um, and, you know, getting their funding and doing all that kind of stuff. So uh, this episode today, we are really largely just focusing on, you know, the the world of development and cash, you know, more than anybody, like, what would you say, like, the talent range is for developers? Like, because you got the out-of-the-school dude, you know what I mean, <laughs> that says he's a dev. Right. And even from, like, a boot camp, he's only been there six weeks, yeah. right? We're not expecting a four-year degree. So you got all the way from there, all the way to, like, extremely, like, Genius artificial yes. intelligence engineers, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's the a data huge science range. guys. Yeah. And I mean, people are always trying to hire, you know, and you don't know if it's like boot camp guy. He's like, I can build you Facebook. <laughs> it's him and his buddy in his garage. Oh. Um, or if you're hybrid, like a really dialed in shop. Um, and, you know, through the course of uh, some of the business we've been doing, you know, just kind of thinking about some of those things and, I don't know, kind of what to look out for. And just some of some crazy tales, yeah. um, you know. I think, yeah, judging on that range of developers, like, I don't know, who would you trust as far as being really like competent, but you're not going to have to pay the guy a million bucks. Yeah. Well, so I think typically when, especially if you're looking for a freelancer or a contractor, um, obviously if you're hiring, you can bring someone in face to face, right? You can. Yeah. You can. Um, check references, you can have them take tests in front of you, and there's a bunch of things we do from a hiring perspective that eliminate some of those challenges. But if you're talking about getting, you know, consultant help, um, you know, some some amount of workforce for a limited amount of time that may not be in-house, you could be constrained for a bunch of reasons why you need to do that. Um, but we're finding a lot of people that hiring's difficult, space is difficult, whatever it is. I need limited resources for like six months, you know, there's a bunch of reasons why you need that kind of workforce, but um, I think finding those types of resources, that's when the hiring is much difficult, right? It's, it's a lot harder Yeah, well, especially some of the ugly stories that I'm familiar with, at least yeah. on the sales side of things, is, first of all, you got the app guy. 
Yeah. Right? This app's going to be amazing. Life-altering changing. He just needs to find somebody to build it. And right. here's the thing. It's going to save the world, but I have $7,000. That's where I'm at in life. Here's the thing. <laughs> Understanding this is going to be worth billions. I can only throw 10 Gs into it. Right now. <laughs> it's like, well, sir, you've asked for a Ferrari on a Chevy Cavalier budget. <laughs> Nova. <laughs> Nova. Yeah, exactly. It's like, listen, yeah. we can't even get gas money for that, bro. Um, but I think what happens when you're in that situation, right, where you're pinching pennies and everybody's in a budget, right? And so that makes sense. But what we found is some of the challenges is that these people will, the, the internet has made it possible where you can look for talent anywhere in any yeah. kind of remote place in the world. And so you've got well, this, that Upwork stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, so you've got this platform like Upwork, and you've got you used to have freelancer. I mean, there's there's ton of them, and they consolidate, and then there's new ones that pop up. Um, there are these massive platforms, and you know, every once in a while, you can strike gold. There's no doubt about it. You can find like a <laughs> genius kid on there every once in a while. Has no idea how valuable he is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Poor kid. <laughs> the Beethoven of JavaScript. Beethoven. <laughs> exactly. And so it does happen, right? But and. But generally speaking, what we find out of those platforms is a lot of people coming to us that are like, they're in a lot of pain. They're in a lot of pain because they've been working with this person or this individual, um, and it's been really difficult. And if you're non-technical, you think you're just getting a bargain. Yeah. Like, you kind of don't know the difference, right? You're just like, well, if this guy says his, the, it costs $5,000 to build, but I go to someone else and they say fifty, then clearly I'm getting ripped off with the fifty. But that's not always the case, right? The $5,000 guy has a lot of different challenges that you're not even used to dealing with. Well, and and for me, it always comes to like, I don't even know how to shop. So I always think about like, we're taking my car in. Right. Because I'm like not mechanically (coughs) at all. Right. You know, the the dude could be charging me for stereo fluid. I have no idea what's happening. (laughs) (laughs) But like, I can't even shop. It's like, listen, I went to one dude. He said I needed, you know. He said I needed this, right? So I bought it. And now I'm going on shopping this, but I don't even know if it's really, like, I don't even know where we started. Right. You know? And like, and that's what becomes difficult. And like, how do you even like, I mean, because I know some of, you know, God bless our clients, love every single one of them. Uh, But like some of them, it's like, when you're that far removed from the area that you're doing business in. Yeah, the expertise. And you're trying to jump in. And it's, I mean, everyone's got to get in at a certain level, right? Yeah. Like, you, you, trying things new is all about, like, I have no idea where I'm walking right now, but it's coming. But, like, I mean, what's, like, a simple way to, like, I don't even know if there is, but somewhere where you can just be like, listen, like, if you have no technical, like, <laughs> yeah, what should yeah, you no. even think about? So, like, the, oh, the, like, the, I, mean, I would say, it, like, a bare-bones scenario you should, especially if you're not technical. If you're extremely technical, you might be able to wrangle some of these dudes and make it work. <laughs> but if you're not, and you don't, or if you have like a technical founder or something, and they're just at capacity, they don't have the chance to like, it's a lot of effort to manage that and wrestle a bunch of you know freelancers yeah. too. I would say the, the most basic scenario is that you need to be dealing with at least a company. Not an individual, not a freelancer. Not Get whatever. out of the garage. Get out of the garage, listen, man. You, listen, your neighbor's <laughs> yeah. cousin yeah. is not the move. It's not the move. He and the reason why, school. though, like, so let me give you a very specific, concrete example. Is like we, we were just dealing with this company. They came to us. They were dealing with this individual freelancer, right? And they worked with them for several years. So this guy knew the software that he built for him inside and out. 
The problem was they were having some reliability issues. He's working two or three jobs. I couldn't count on him. I couldn't whatever. Yeah. There's no redundancy. He would get sick. I'd be in trouble. So you have a bunch of those issues starting to crop up in the relationship. This company had developed to a point where like, I need to kind of get out of that. I was paying hardly anything, but I got to get out of that. I need more. Um, so they come to us. But that transition is crazy. So like, for instance, he was doing some, some work where his application had to sync with Salesforce. Oh, we go okay. to the app and we're like, Everything in the app, everything about Salesforce is commented out, meaning it won't run, it won't execute. Like, there's no way this guy has done anything for you in Salesforce. <laughs> but then he's like, no, 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 look, I'm getting data. And we're like, well, where's he getting data from? And so we finally, like, I mean, it takes us we, forever. We got a little stuff, some stuff happening behind the curtain. Yeah, and so we're chasing this thing, right? We're threading the needle everywhere. Like, it takes you weeks or even a month to uncover some of these things. You finally figure it out. But with an individual guy, you don't have like the proper documentation. You don't have the sort of redundancy around, I've got two guys who know what they're doing and if one guy is sick or one guy leaves or whatever, the other guy can pick up. Like, you You're know, not dealing with like, hey, I got a new job, so yeah, I'm going to work any of that. for a month. You don't have coverage, right? And so, I what mean, is, was there like a sticker shock attached to like, cause homie in the garage that's bumping out, you know, apps, <laughs> right? He's gotta be, do you think he's cheaper than a shop? Or is it yeah, pretty I mean, comparable? Yeah, he can run cheaper because he doesn't have the overhead. Like I said, he won't have those layers of support so that if he falls off, most standard companies will have layers of support knowing that they've got to replace, they've got to keep the project moving forward, right? Even if you're just a standard company, you're a bread and butter company developing stuff, you know that if that guy leaves you or if that guy gets sick, you still have to cover the project. You can't just yeah. give up on the project or the project can't die. So you create those layers of redundancy. And when you do, that just makes it safer for the company, right? Whoever's building that app. The problem I think that people don't get is that you could be sitting there as a CEO and you're like, it's just like a PowerPoint. It's not that difficult, right? But yeah. you don't understand how complex it is that like literally, if there's a couple things that are literally are missing and we don't know how it works, you can end up <laughs> Johnny, rewriting it. Johnny Finito. You can end over. up literally burning the PowerPoint down and recreating it instead of like, just fix the slide or fix, yeah. change that image. It really doesn't work like that. It's much more complicated than that. And so I think there's a lot of kind of misconceptions about like, well, the code's there and it runs. It's not that big a deal. Yeah, you know? so we had and you this... can burn it to the ground, your whole investment, and start over. Like, it's that bad. Yeah, so we had this lady, and she was out of uh, Los Angeles, California, and she paid this guy to make um, – it was a mobile application. I don't want to blow up her idea, but just, you know, basically a quasi-marketplace type app, Right. right? Um, that was kind of towards the music industry and she paid this dude $500 a month for <laughs> 23 months working on this thing. And then it turns out it was like, I don't know. It, it turns out it was went up and like the beta version didn't even work in the app store. Oh, and then it. things went like sideways from there. And then they reached out to us we found out it was in some like crazy X code from forever ago. Like I don't yeah. know, but it was just like the whole thing is like, yeah, like nobody using that. Like yeah. we can duct tape some stuff together, but that's a basically make it run. Right. But it's not going to be a permanent solution. Well, no. And like this lady and what well, we'll just call Sugar Mama because she had a partner. Yeah. There was another elderly lady that had clearly the wallet, so to speak, <laughs> you know. Right. Um, but. I mean, I just like felt really bad for her because yeah. she's she is thirteen grand into this thing and it's utterly worthless. It's just worthless, right? Yeah. And that was the same. It's just one dude. What? And like, <laughs> I mean, how like if I have a basic mobile application, 
How long do you think it's going to take? I mean, so, so homie did two years. <laughs> two years. And I get it. You people are getting paid by the hour. I can appreciate the stretch. I can appreciate the hustle. <laughs> but, I mean, how long do you think? Like the basic mobile app? Like what's the timing for a mobile app? Like yeah. if I have this sweet app that's going to uh, check me out of social media. Yeah. Usually uh, I would say what we try to help, especially people with low budgets, right? We try to help people... Get to we try to help people get to a point where they're they're launching some sort of simplistic MVP beta instance in three to six months because if it's really really tight budget you don't want to be not getting feedback from somebody right yeah. so I don't care what's going on let's pull some features out let's do whatever we got to do <laughs> yeah. let's get you launched with something get some more feedback we can do version twos we can create your roadmap. But, you know, even if we're going to do two years, you should be getting something in front of your customers in three to six months, period. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's something to look out for, right? Like, you as, you know, responsible developer, yeah. right? Like, you're looking at them and being like, listen, you can live without power locks. You can yeah. live without power windows. Exactly. They don't need to be leather seats. <laughs> like, exactly. these are all upgrades we can do later. Yeah. But do you think that, like, you know, we'll call them not well-intentioned developer? <laughs> uh it's going to probably just try to juice you up in the yeah, proposal. So like, is that people, a warning flag or am I just making it up? I have no idea. No, that could be a warning sign if they don't want to show you stuff or if they don't give you access to servers, like things like that. You could, a warning sign would be like, you know, where, where are you going to actually store this code that you're writing? When do, I, when do I get that? When do I get a copy of it? Because we've had people who've been working on, so I had one guy spend over a million and a half and never had access to any of the code that was really built or worked. No! And, and then when we came on, he and we went to the servers and the code, and this is kind of a hard concept to talk like explain, but the code was compiled. So it's like, you know, he he's seeing basically that you can't get to the actual underlying stuff that you wrote. It's all in ones and zeros. And the stuff that he actually wrote, it's like having a PDF that you can't unlock almost. You know what I mean? You can't uh, actually edit it. I'm just giving you the PDF. I'm not giving yeah. you the Adobe version that you can edit. And it's like, so we got to the servers and all of a sudden he's like, I can't, I'm like, I can't do anything with any of this. Like, I need the original source files so I can make a change so that I can, you know, work for you. And he's like, he had no idea. What does that mean? He's like, that's yeah, my problem, that. right? <laughs> you could literally give me any document with any characters on it, be like, here's your code. <laughs> and I'm like, of course it of is. Course Why it wouldn't is. it be? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, seems reasonable. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't even know. So some basic like, things is, I think, um, first of all, if I was going into it as non-technical, I would want to put it on a server that I own. So like, hey. So what does that mean exactly? So that means, <clears throat> that means they're not hosting it. So they're not, a lot of people are scared. Like, since I don't know anything about hosting, it's more comfortable for me to say to my developer, just do it for me. But so then, when you say hosting, are you talking like that Amazon, like yeah, web services? Yeah, Amazon like, or DigitalOcean or whatever. Okay. And what you should say is like, hey, what do you prefer? What would be the hosting environment you prefer? And then say, I'm going to create it under my name. I'm going to put in my own credit card. And then I just want you to put all the code there and deploy it and make sure it works. That way, worst case scenario, you kick him out, you own the account, you've got your stuff, and then you probably should be able to audit inside of there that he's given you the actual source code to there, right? Like, so in, yeah, yeah, source code, with your fancy, <laughs> with your fancy talk. Um, so like how throughout the project, right? So like I got my app going and I think this dude's working, like how often am I supposed to see this guy like move things? Because I'm looking at characters basically. I don't yeah. know how to opening. 
But there's going to be files in there, I suppose. Yeah, there's going to be files. And, but you should have something, I would, I mean, at a minimum every two weeks, but at a best case, every week. Once a week, he should be deploying. Be pushing something. He or she, yeah, should be deploying something so you can play with it in the browser or on your phone. And then you're taking a look at that and you're like, hey, where are we at? What's going on? You know so I mean? from like conception, all right, like let's just pull an idea out of the sky right now. You know, <laughs> I, got, I, got it, I got an app <coughs> that stores my favorite beverages. <laughs> I want to make this app. I scan the barcode. It's like, dude, this one was solid. <laughs> it keeps solid. it in there. You guys, anyone out there that wants to steal the idea, liquid gold. Liquid uh, gold. <laughs> <laughs> but like, so I have this app idea and I bring it to somebody. How long should I wait before I figure out like if something's happening? Like, when can I see something? Like, yeah. What part of the process should I be able to see something? And what part should I? Because when I think about an application, step like user interface yeah that's all i know that's all, that's you all want. i know yeah. that works. i want to see i gotta page. see i gotta press buttons buttons yeah. have to do things right that's what i need to see how long do you think you take to get to that level or is that like the thing that happens at like the dead end like how does that work no i mean so first of all hopefully you're starting and i think this is where a lot of people go wrong too they're starting you should start with some sort of design phase so you know what you're getting but then second of all just getting into the engineering um like i said i think if you don't see at least something in a couple of weeks, that's kind of a signal to me. And mm. a lot of people will be like, well, I'm doing a lot of this, I'm doing a lot of that. The end deliverable is what the user experiences. And so that's what I would drive towards. Hey, then I at least want to see this one screen. I want to see this one feature. I want to touch yeah, this one uh, button. I want to, you know, and then they whatever it takes. to you on the design what's working. Yeah. And what's hooked up. Yeah, and, so you can, and they could be like, well, I've got to do all this other stuff. And it's like, well, just do that other back end or that API or that integration just for this page. Because yeah. I want to see this working. And I would drive, drive towards features you can play with, right? Yeah, and, but in, from like a level of transparency, right? I want to know what's going on. But I also don't want to be annoying and get, <laughs> and get in the way. Okay? Right. So where is that? Like how transparent should they be? When should I like be kind of worried? It's like, hmm, yeah. this guy's gone dark on me. I Radio would, silence. I, I, we typically, even even before we started ZipTag, I was hor- I was just incredibly transparent. Just because I feel like the users like it. And I don't feel like that was annoying to me. Now, each engineer is a little different. You got the guy who loves the cave. You got the guy who loves the lights out, highs and lows. <laughs> we got a lot just, you know, of hot pocket Mountain Dew people out exactly. there. Exactly. <laughs> it's a lot of those. But I do feel like, um, once again, that's why it's a really a benefit to work with an organization instead of an individual. Because the organization might have the dude who's like in the cave, but he's going to have somebody who's client-facing, who likes to be client-facing, who wants to talk to you, who wants to give you demos, who wants, they want to be engaging. Yeah. And so when you have that kind of product owner or that project manager or whatever it is, Scrum Master, that role is to give you that touchy-feely stuff. And so, once again, if you're dealing with an organization, a real company, it saves you a lot of those problems because you don't feel like you're bugging the dev because, you know, you don't want to be tapping on the shoulder every two minutes. So, you know, another, another great reason to go with a company instead of an individual. But if yeah. you're going with an individual... I would still say if he's full time on your project, I would still require like, hey, just once a day, give me a quick summary of what you're working on. Mm. You know what I mean? And with the engineers who even work for me, I ask them, and this is what we provide for all of our clients, I ask them, I need a written summary and then I need a quick like 60 second, you know, two minute Loom video. So they give me a quick little video from their own machine. Here's what I did today. That's a good one. And then they throw us a little video and then I look at that and I'm like, oh, he's on track or I miscommunicated something. And that way they can only get off track by 24 hours as far as wasting time. Because a lot of people are very uncomfortable going hourly with an engineer because they think it's pixie dust. 
But at the end of the day... I am one of those people. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> and so know. what wizardry you're doing behind the curtain, all I know is the clock's running. Yeah, I don't, want, on. I don't want to pay per hour. But most <laughs> engineers are extremely uncomfortable working in a fixed bid scenario because there's two scenarios, right? Most people don't really know what they want to build. I mean, hands out. And so they're like, dude, you, you expected everything, and that wasn't what I told you you were going to get. And so all you do is argue about scope. Yeah. And so, and the minute you touch it and play with it, it's inevitable. Every single person for 20 years, there hasn't been a single one that hasn't, <laughs> that hasn't touched the software, started playing with it, and changed it. <laughs> I promise you're going to change it. Yeah. You're going to play with it, and once you get a real scenario and you have real data and you're hitting those buttons, you're like, I wish it did this. Wish it did. Wasn't that part of it? Like, no, it wasn't part of it. <laughs> and so you're going to fight. And so yeah. whatever, nobody wants to be in a fixed bid scenario if you're an engineer because you know you're going to get brutalized, right? Because... Everything's going to be scope, and most engineers are actually not that social anyway. So they're not like they sit there and want to talk to you about scope changes and yeah, you know this was out of scope. That's an uncomfortable. That's where we really need that project manager. Too. Yeah, because that's an uncomfortable conversation for them anyway. They don't want to sit there and battle over money all the time. They want to code, and so it's very uncomfortable. So I mean, that's, that's just that's, that's why that the, the daily update thing helps a lot. Get some comfort zone for both of you to work in an hourly situation. Yeah, well, and that's the tough part is because like for like me on the consumer side, like. I want this done. I want it done for twenty grand. <laughs> right. You know, right. <laughs> like it's a very, very adversarial, adversarial relationship yeah, with developers because it's like, no, dude, no, you have twenty grand. That's what this is, right? <laughs> like, I can buy a car, twenty grand. Twenty <laughs> right. cars doesn't get gradually more expensive as like, <laughs> <It's> gradually. <laughs> <laughs> Talk goes how does on. this Corolla go to 30? <laughs> yeah, like, how'd we get here? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess that transparency piece is huge. And, like, kind of going more to that budget standpoint, and I know that, like, what can be somewhat scary to me is you're using a shop, and you do want that kind of, you're like, okay, like, homie in the basement ain't working, <laughs> right? But I still don't have, you know, great Tons walking around money. money. Yeah. You know, I still on a budget. And so my mind naturally goes to like outsourcing and trying to like leverage, you know, I mean, obviously there's like guys in South America and yeah. Vietnam and the Philippines and India. Um, that I think is scary to me. And I also think it might be kind of scary to people because it's like, well, I don't know, how am I going to chase that guy down? Yeah. He's way over there. Yeah. Like you, I mean, you can't be a CTO and not have done work with developers at offshore, yeah. right? Yeah. So you probably have a fair amount of experience once... What, I don't know. What are your rules of the road when you're trying yeah, to go? So it's, it's interesting. I mean, a lot of people feel definitely more comfortable with someone who could shake their hand, look them in the eye. The challenge in at least this current economic condition is that um, it's hard to hire a general. So if I'm sitting here in the U.S. and I'm a consulting agency and I'm only hiring U.S. people, I've got to actually steal from you know Adobe and Podium and all of these places mm. and they're not leaving right so to be a consulting agency and to get them keep them turns out life's pretty <clears> good at google life's pretty good <laughs> and so you're paying crazy amounts to get them and so all of a sudden the hourly rate i have to charge you to make any money is yeah. like really hard and all of a sudden yeah. you went from the guy in the garage who you can maybe get 20 or 30 dollars an hour to like we've talked to people up to 250 300 dollars an hour and so it's yeah. outrageous. <laughs> so, so now you're crazy. Yeah, homie ate faster. Right, right, exactly. So, like, I mean, smart people are smart people. So that a lot of times, and there's some blended models kind of like we do. A lot of different people do different blended models where you have people here but some people there. That helps keep the cost down a little bit. But it gives you a U.S. entity in which you can 
look them in the eye, shake their hands. You're signing a contract with someone who's here in the U.S. who's like yeah. against U.S. law. So if you did have any kind of disputes, you know, you got to kind of mediate that thing. You're going to U.S. courts. Also, you're against, not chasing against, someone to hell, right? Against, yeah, it's also yeah. like, don't go with the guy in the basement because yeah. how much you sue him? Yeah. You definitely can't go with blood. Right? <laughs> blood relative? Yeah. He'll ruin your Nothing whole life. You can't hire blood relative. So you want to be able to kind of look someone in the eye and chase, the, you know what I mean, and do that type of thing. And, like and just said, find somebody that's experienced doing this overseas thing and let them do. Yeah, I mean, you can... Work. I mean, you can figure it out, but it's a lot. I mean, so I've gone into organizations. I used to kind of train organizations on their overseas practices. Like, what do you do? What's common practice? Because there's a point in an organization where it's like, we need some sort of strategy. What are we going to do? And I used to train organizations on that. But it was 18 months to two years. By the time they actually set up the process, hired the right people, had a strategy that worked. I mean, it's, it's a serious investment. And so you're typically, you know, a much bigger organization at that point. Well, and I've heard, I don't know, like I've heard just rumors about like quasi like sweatshop dev shops over there where there's just like a bunch of dudes, yeah. the dim lighting. <laughs> there's one, there's one light that swings side to side. Yeah. A bunch of dudes on laptops. Yeah. You're just like, oh, what the heck's going on over there? So there's a lot. Of, I mean, is that a real thing or am I just No, there's a lot. Like I've been in, you know, a lot of sweatshops. So I've done actually a lot of work in India. I've done a lot of work in um, like Bulgaria, Russia area. I've also done some work in Costa Rica. Um, did a lot of work in China. I mean, I spent like three or four years in China in Beijing, and so I've been in a lot of environments. Great foods, weird food, weird food. Fair, fair enough. You better stick to the Chinese food in America. <laughs> love a little kung pao beef. Yeah, exactly. Not the same thing over there. Fair enough. <laughs> but um, you know, so after there, there are a lot of places that are you know pretty sketch, pretty sweatshop, pretty brutal. They don't care about the churn. Um, they don't really kind of hold, you know, our same standards of like, you know, I care about personnel. I want them to be productive. Is it more just like happy. quick buck type a thing? A little bit. Just run up I mean, there's, there's cash the check and move on. Yeah, there's, there's shops of all kinds and all shapes and all sizes. The challenge is, is like, you know, figuring out what it is and who they are, right? And so that's why it's always easier to have some sort of counterpart here that you're like, I like those guys. I trust those guys. I'm sure they got the other side <laughs> Let of it. Let them worry Let them about figure it out. getting the needle in the haystack yeah, over exactly. there. exactly. And what we found is that when we've stood up our offices and everything, um, you know, we've, it's hard, but we've successfully implemented a lot of that U.S. culture. The mm. openness, the transparency, the good work environment, the, you know, take care of your employees, the, you know, pay for sick leave, the, you know, take care of them, right? Right? Yeah. So we've implemented a lot of that culture because we're, we just know it works. We believe it, right? So we're not going to have a double standard. Yeah, and, let's face it. it selfishly, you don't want to retrain these people all the time. No, it's brutal. <laughs> it's brutal, right? So we want happy people, and morale is a huge dialer on productivity. People are happy. They like where they work. They know what's going on. Then they're more productive. Yeah, I mean, I was I was working at a company that was like a fair amount of like a pressure cooker type yeah. environment. When a culture goes, it goes fast. Yeah, it's, it's tricky. Straight to negative town. Yeah, and so you don't. You you're just not productive. That. You're just not productive. And so, especially if you're thinking about your job or the thing you're doing your job, like it's like yeah. self fulfilling prophecy. Like I don't know, like you fired. Yeah. What's going on? And, and people like, know that's obvious in sales. They're like, yeah. oh, sales guys got to be confident. But what they don't realize is engineers are the same way. I mean, engineers, if you're happy and you're excited, you're engaged about the problem you're solving, I mean, you're two or three X productive. I mean, it's outrageous how much you can crank out. And when you feel like you're not treated correctly, right? I mean, you can go really slow. You can be bummed out. You can be whatever. So, yeah, you know, morale, trust me. Morale I have a matters. website that took months. <laughs> <laughs> morale matters, right? Yeah. It does. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. So can you think of anyone that, like, 
did kind of have that harsh road. They tried to outsource herself. They went direct, so to speak. <laughs> we did. We had we had a guy who had um, two or three. I'm trying to remember if it was two or three engineers, but they were actually freelancers. So they weren't sitting next to each other. They were kind Ooh. of in different places. And he was non-technical. He was trying to coordinate this thing. <laughs> Guys. I mean. I read a book last night. I feel like I got this under control. Yes. <laughs> he was that guy. And I was like, ooh. So we get under the hood and it's just a nightmare. I mean, this thing had been written in like three different programming languages. Like sections of it in Ruby. Sections <laughs> in PHP. Sections in .NET. I'm like, what is happening? All those guys only knew one language, bro. I know. What do you expect? But there's no coordination, um, you know, which caused a lot of problems in the application. It was really, it was really cumbersome. We're like, well, how come you go to here and you log in and then you go to here and you have to log in again? He's like, I don't really know. That's kind of, I just, I wish they could change that. It's because everybody was really writing their own silo of an application. It was never like a really strategized architecture. So we went in, we took it over, we started to kind of refactor a bunch of stuff, get it working together. But even during that process, luckily he actually had the code, but even <laughs> during that process, there were so many things. Like his engineer went in and they did some integration with Google OAuth. They went in and then he put it under his name. And so when that stopped working, when that guy didn't work for him anymore, that whole section of the application stopped working. Oh, Anything brutal. connected to that, oh, I think just broke. And so we were just like, what is going on? And then we got there and then we're like, we can't get into this account and all this doesn't work. And then we ended up actually, he ended up losing a lot of data because it was processing under his name. And then that developer actually just deleted the account. Because he was like, <laughs> I was like, screw you. I was fired. And so he just deleted brutal. the account. And so there was a lot of outages, a lot of issues. We had to recreate it. We had to try to make up all the data that was lost. I mean, it was like a three or four week fire alarm. And I think people just don't realize like how complicated some of those technical issues are to overcome, right? It just yeah. gets really difficult. He, I mean, he had no idea that he was going to waste 160 hours at some other guy at some other rate, right? Because yeah, because he wasn't, that? yeah, because he just wasn't coordinating, you know, these things or wasn't documenting or wasn't making sure they were doing it the right way or wasn't overseeing the architecture. So it was just it was really rough for him. And it wasn't only one of those things during. About six months of wrapping up on this thing, we found like five or seven of those types of things that were just really, really difficult for him to overcome, let alone a bunch of code that doesn't talk to each other that we had to refactor. So you end up losing a lot of money you know, when yeah. not done properly. You think you're getting it done cheap, but actually long term, you spend more. You really do. Well, and then you brought up an interesting point that I don't think I would have really thought about or cared about. Like everyone today is working remotely. Right. You know what I mean? It's like I got a developer. I don't care if homie's getting a tan on the beach. Yeah. Doing his, getting his code game on. Right? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Dude, but you be you, brother. You, yeah. be you. you can be as fat or as tan as you want. Right? <laughs> as long as the job gets done. Right. But is it, I mean, is it really important? Like when you're shopping people, like is it important if you have guys that work next to each other? Is it a it thing? Has, like it, it's, it's really helpful. Like all of our teams, whenever we have more than one, they are next to each other. We literally rearrange seating every time. So I don't care where you were sitting before. You're now on Team X. Team X sits together. Oh, really? Yeah, we rearrange seats every time because there's a communication thing. There's a coordination thing. You save time. You're not stomping on each other's stuff. Like It's kind of like if you and I were working in the same spreadsheet and I was in work in column A and you're working in column C, but we both did something in B. Like you're gonna screw it up, right? Yeah. So we get we get some somehow we got to know what you didn't be and I didn't be and you know you did a formula and I did a formula. So like, even with Slack and Rocket Chat, yeah, it's, it's not. It's, it's really helpful to have your team sit next to each other, right? Yeah. And so that's why people they coordinate with us and then we figure out how to coordinate. You know, hey, we'll take this section of the app and we can do daily standups with you and we can do the coordination. But when we have our teams sitting next to each other, we we have you know when we have more than one engineer, they're always sitting next to each other. 
Yeah, so like, up until this point, we've just been talking about, like, garage homie. <laughs> now you're up to teams. Yeah. What is this team? Okay. He told me it's going to be two devs. <laughs> two devs for three months. Yeah. Like, what is this team? What are you yeah, talking about? I think, so what most people don't understand or um, they kind of think all engineers are just the same. But what if, if you want to have a successful product, if you step back and think about what the business needs as far as a product goes, it's much more than just engineers. So you need someone who's like what we call the product owner. Um, that person's going to define really what are you building, right? Yeah. That person's on the what. They're not engineering. They're not coding. And then you've got to have a designer who's going to take that what. Like, hey, we need to have these four or five features. And that designer and UX person's got to put it into something that like is a really great killer, not just look and feel, but experience. Like, why does that take you seven button clicks? It really, can we drill it down to two? How do we make that easier for the user? So you've got all those expertise before you ever even get to engineering. And then when you get into engineering, you have very specific expertise, like people who are really good at database and modeling and logic, and then people who are really, really good at front end, like- Database, that's the information part, right? Yeah, that's right. It's where you store and all that stuff. Okay, all right. That's, that's like your Excel on steroids. Perfect, that's it. Now you're talking my language. There we no go. I can understand. And on the front end, you've got people who care a ton about like, you know, every pixel is going to be placed in the right way. All the fonts are cohesive. It works in Safari and Chrome and Internet Explorer. And, like, it works if, like, if you do the, all the front end correctly, it also works for the deaf. It works for the blind. Because then it'll read out stuff to them correctly if you structure it correctly. And so there's a whole bunch of things that you need the expertise. And what's crazy in the world today is that these technologies churn so fast. Like, even just for a front end coder, their whole technology framework, like whatever they know and they've learned to go to school. Pretend you were a surgeon and you spent 12 years, like whatever you learned, <laughs> well, literally. Turns out I'm a kidney man. A kidney. <laughs> Don't go asking me about spleens right. or hearts. I'm a but kidney that, guy. That whole framework disappears in like three years. You're retooling every three years, so it's very hard. Why do people do this? <laughs> Why would you do this to yourself? Well, we did. So what happens is that something. You have to retrain every three years? <laughs> Almost. It's really brutal. That's why you're not an expert in what everything. What's the matter with you? <laughs> so what will happen? How long does it take to do this? Sorry, every three How long years. I'm stuck up on this thing. Listen, I think a realtor's like twelve hours every seven years. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So it could probably. I mean, if you're really good at your trade, you can pound into some of these new frameworks, and I would say in four to six weeks, you could become really pretty competent. Right, but that's still something you're doing every two to three years, right, on these frameworks. And even just a front-end engineer, you're not just dealing with one framework, you're dealing with five to six frameworks. And they're retooling those all in different progressions. So with that, every six months, one of them's got dead. <laughs> oh, and the thing is, we've done it to ourselves because what will happen is, you know, everybody's innovating. So it doesn't matter if it's Apple giving you a new version of iOS, it doesn't matter if it's Google giving you a new version of Angular. And then once someone catches that, they'll build a website in it and then everybody will go like, wait a minute, my competition's side is so much better or faster or cooler because like Salesforce is outdated and someone created a new one and it's not clunky anymore. And so you're gonna lose your competition to someone else who just built something more modern, more fast, more robust, easier to use. And so if you don't keep up, you, you go out of business. I, I mean, and this could be a podcast for another day, <laughs> but I don't understand why things slow down. <laughs> Why, if it works today, would it <coughs> go slower tomorrow? It doesn't make any sense to me. Or is everything else just faster and faster? I don't notice. And so well, it was probably faster a little bit of both, actually, because some of these new frameworks, um, the way they're 
organized. Now we're getting way into the. Oh, well, all right, listen, we're but, gonna, I just need this answer. We'll pull back say, up. <laughs> let me just say, like the newer, um, like Node, like MeanStack is a fairly modern situation. Um, we're gonna have to talk about this a different yeah, thing because we gotta talk about MeanStack. When you do the, when you're doing calls now, when you click a button and you gotta go to the database and say, hey, do all this work. We do things now that are asynchronous. So it's literally a click. You go do work on your own. I'm moving on. I'm going to my next page. I'm going to my next task. Uh, if you have a problem, you better come and tell me. Where before we had that kind of asynchronous step, when you click the button, you had to wait till the credit card actually processed and the order was submitted. And then it says, hey, success. Like, so <clears throat> some of it is technology has gotten better. Some of it is like, um, over time, you can add a bunch of features and your code can get cluttered if you don't maintain it properly. And so what used to be just 100 lines of code is now 10,000 lines of code and maybe 8,000 aren't used because you didn't actually take out the crap that doesn't So it's just kind of scrolling yeah. through that stuff. And so it has to process it all, right? And mm. so that some of it could be maintenance, some of it could be your database got big and then you're not optimized for that. Some of it just could be new technologies make it seem faster. Performance is a really big problem, but what we've learned from like our marketing efforts and stuff is that people performance is a huge thing for SEO and yeah. it's a huge thing for users. If you're and if what's you're, SEO? <laughs> search engine optimization. Ah, there we go. <laughs> for for Google to be able to rank you and give you traffic. Got it. They care a lot on the performance of your site if it's fast, if it's responsive, because users care and they yeah. abandon and they leave and they don't want to work with you and they want to they don't want to do any of those things. So. It's one of those things that it's easy to be like, oh, it doesn't matter. But if you don't keep up with performance, you're going to just kill your customer base. They're going to slowly just attrition away. And then Google's going to slowly stop giving you traffic and your your business is just going to cannibalize. Yeah, so you've got to so, keep up on performance. Yeah. So one of the last things I want to talk about is like, which I will never understand. And I, <laughs> and I get... Admittedly. Script, <laughs> admittedly, I will never understand how you're supposed to do this or why you would. Um, but... I'm getting my drink app built, okay? <laughs> Back to scanning the die cards. Back to the worst app idea the world's ever seen. <laughs> um, but I'm getting my drink app built, and, like, everyone's talking about, like, what's happening today. And, like, what is my risk of, like, putting all this money into an app idea and, like, going with these developers and, like, I'm gung-ho, you know, things are going to go fantastic, <laughs> the world will no longer be thirsty, you know? Like, but... <laughs> We're solving third world problems all over the place. So, all over. But are they even thinking about like what's going to happen like when it launches? Like, is it going to be in some old stuff? Like, is it already going to be outdated the minute it goes to market? Uh, like, how do you even plan for that? Uh, and if you're interviewing developers, how do you talk to them? Be like, listen, I'm not sure if you got a crystal ball back there. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Are you sure this thing's going to work? Because you said what? two years for this puppy. Yeah. All right, and we like. CDs are gone now. What's happening? Right, exactly. <laughs> and so that's another reason why I think a lot of people misjudge the maintenance that goes into that. They think, if it costs me 50 to launch, I'm done. And it's like a PowerPoint. And now the PowerPoint, I just keep showing it to people. Oh, and it doesn't no, matter. It works. <clears throat> Which isn't true. Listen, Software takes I, maintenance. I built you a chair. You're going to be sitting for a while. Yeah, exactly. And we're not hiring any carpenters to come Right, to it. come fix that thing. It's not like that. Software is going to be constant improvements, constant iteration, constant maintenance, constant upgrades. It just happens. And if you don't, if you neglect it for a while, you're going to accrue like a ton of technical debt and then you're going to have to bring in some extra resources to kind of like, hey, I've got to move and migrate maybe from this version to this version and I've got to upgrade my software and, and you're not going to be able to do it with your current team because the mountain gets huge really fast because you just mm. haven't been paying it down. So that is one of the things we've kind of helped a lot of people with those migration exercises and saying, hey, we know that you prefer a lot of people on site that you can touch and feel, but should we come in 
throw, throw a team at this problem, get your platform in a much better place so it's very modern, very fast, and then train your team and make sure they're really comfortable with these new technologies and then start to kind of peel out. Yeah. And that's been something we've done a lot for folks and really helped them do because it's very hard. I mean, I've been in a situation on the other side where you're the team and everybody's like, this is broken, I need this feature, I need this whatever, and they don't let you even breathe for a second about Listen, I'm a guy. I'm a guy that enjoys a good help desk. Either. Right, exactly. <laughs> they're just why hammering this, them. Why is this slow? Why is this why slow? Is Let's, this do this. Let's do this. And they're overloaded and they're overworked and you know they're not getting to the mountain of technical debt they're creating. So Yeah, so excellent. Well, dude, I think we made it. Yeah. I think we can wrap this up as episode one. I think it was great. <laughs> Podcast gold is what it is. Podcast, Podcast gold. gold. Anyways, um, if you guys have any ideas or anything you'd like for us to talk about, you can just comment below this podcast, and then we're looking into a Twitter. We hear it's a thing. We might get, <laughs> we might get a Twitter. <laughs> so, all right. See you guys next time. Thank you for listening to Tech Tales. Tech Tales is sponsored by ZipTech custom development, and Encore CRM. Win faster with Encore. If you have a topic you'd like the guys to discuss, email us at hello at ziptech.com.